Okay, everybody, the clock is ticking. What do I mean? I'll tell you in a second, but we need to run through this podcast and try and hit as many topics as we can in a fairly short amount of time. So that being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 205 of The Drop Set. I am Darren Starr. Welcome. Thanks for joining me here. We almost had a second episode 204 because uh, the way that I track these things internally, um, I didn't have episode 204 saved in the usual spot. So I went to see what was the last episode number and it was 203. I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. So we almost had a horrific accounting error with duplicate episode numbers, which would have forced me to just end the podcast if I made a mistake like that. So uh, we live to fight another day. Um, I had grand hopes of sitting down and recording a little like stock introduction that would be playing right now. Uh, kind of going over all the stuff that I usually say, like, hey, who I am, uh, you know, please, you know, like, uh, share the episodes, talk to your friends, go give me a rating, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say all that stuff right now, but in the future, I'm going to script something that will be like, you know, regular listeners can just skip over it probably. Uh, please don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an out. No, don't do that. Uh, but I don't, I don't have time today because, as I mentioned in the cold open, um, the clock is ticking. What is that ticking clock? I just got a COVID booster, and uh, if history is any indication, I'm going to feel like crap in a little bit here. So, I mean, you know, I literally got the jab in my arm 10 minutes ago, and I drove home and I started recording this. In the past, it has been about eight to ten hours before I start feeling like crap. Nonetheless, I, I got I got a lot of stuff to do. I got travel coming up this week. I got to start getting ready for that. Um, I've got a vacation in three weeks. I don't need to do anything about that. My brain's looking ahead towards that. Um, travel is always tricky, uh, especially for a trip like what I'm doing this week where I'm going back to Oregon to visit the family. I'm leaving on a Thursday, coming back on a Monday. So Friday, when I'm there, is still a work day for me. Uh, Monday, my travel day back, is also a work day. So I have client check-ins that I'll be hitting remotely. Um, you know, either from uh, I'll be staying in a hotel up in Portland uh, on Friday night because I get in really late and it's going to be like oh, midnight Eastern time, nine o'clock Pacific time. It'll feel like midnight to me by the time I land. And I've got about an hour and 45 minute drive from the airport down to where my parents live. I'm not going to do that when I'm already tired. So I'm going to stay the night in Portland, wake up, um, leisurely, do a little bit of work, head down, say hi to everybody, do a little bit more work throughout the day. And then Monday, you know, I mean, I always wake up before everybody else does anyway. So I'll do a little bit of work first thing in the morning. And then kind of get my act together, you know, a little family time, head to the airport and uh, probably finish up work from the plane. So um, it, it's it's just tricky. I don't want to take that time off work uh, because for me, you know, it, the, the trick there is I work with people that are, you know, they're scheduled um, to work with me on a regular basis, right? And so I can't just take random days off here and there very easily um, because I'm ghosting those people while, 
you know, still working with everybody else. And there's just this guilt that comes with that. I'm not okay with it. And also like, you know, people are paying for a service. They have a certain expectation, which I think is fair. So, um, I save that for when I'm taking a legit vacation, which, you know, I will take like a week off a year, usually something like that. So that I feel I can get away with. Um, but I don't like to push my luck too much. So, um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're doing work on the road this week. Well, end of this week, start of next week. So, um, what's going on with me? So uh, we're going to get to that in some of these questions. I've picked out a few questions from people here, and this is going to be kind of a grab bag thing here. I think I've got what, seven questions here, maybe from people. Um, this is from, uh, from three different people actually, and I will identify them uh, by name as we go through. So this was, uh, when I put out my, when I whined, a few episodes back and said, no, I need, I need ideas for what to talk about. Um, y'all came through. So thank you for that. Now, that being said, I haven't gotten anything else from, from anybody in a bit. So, um, I will, I will whine again and say, I'm going to run through a lot of these pretty quick. I mean, I'm, I'm tackling seven of these today. So the real, the real challenge for me comes down to what do I provide as like the episode summary? Like, you know, on the, on the graphic for the episode that I put together, I was like to summarize it in five or six words, like, you know, one topic or two topics. I'm like, I got seven things here. I can't just call it grab bag because that's just so dumb and nondescriptive. And I feel like it's super lazy. So I'm not going to do that. Um, I think what I'm going to do is go through this and see which ones I talk about the longest and then I'll use those and then say, and more. So there we go. Behind the scenes, this is how the podcast operates. It's, it, it operates is, is, I'm really stretching the definition of that word. This is how the podcast happens. Uh, operates implies a certain level of efficiency and structure, which is just non-existent. So um, let's get to it. Let's get to it. So I've got a lot to, to talk about kind of what I'm doing right now and, and where I'm at big picture with stuff. But I think I'm going to get to that in, uh, in coming over and coming, uh, covering some of these other questions from people. So, um, this, uh, these first couple questions come from, uh, Grace, who was kind enough to provide us with the, uh, the starter question for our plant-based diet conversation last week. So she, she had a lot to say. And so we're, we're going to hit a couple more of her questions today. So first one she, she offered here is what do you suggest cardio wise for leg day? Steady state, low impact. Is it better to split cardio and weight sessions up? Cardio in the morning, weights in the evening, vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, some variation on this subject in the past for sure. And I should just stop saying that because I think at this point we've talked about everything. But there's 205 freaking episodes here. And I certainly don't expect anybody to go back and listen more than like two or three episodes deep. If you're just starting now, for the love of God, please do not go back to episode one and start listening. Just don't. Don't. Because uh, if, first of all, that's embarrassing. I don't want anybody listening to that crap. It's terrible. And second, if you don't go back and listen to that, it gives me more justification to, to talk about repeat topics here. So um, you, you may go back. I think I will set the rule. You may go back five episodes deep in the archive. No more than that. that that's a new rule punishable by flogging. I don't know something. Um, I don't know. So what do I suggest for, for cardio for leg day? Well, the first suggestion I would make is, I mean, (laughs) 
cliche. It depends. Depends on what phase you're in. Are you in a phase where you've got a lot of cardio or are you in a phase where, you know, you're doing a little bit less cardio? If it's a little bit less, don't do cardio on leg day, you know, uh, unless you're, you're going to hit an arm ergometer for cardio where that's kind of like the, it's the arm bike basically where you pedal with your arms. You know, every gym has one of those, right? For the person who, you know, their knees in a brace or whatever, but they still want to do cardio. So, um, certainly you could do that on leg day, uh, but there's a reason nobody uses that thing. Um, so if you can avoid cardio on leg days, I think that's good. If you can hit a leg day with max intensity and feel like you've got gas in the tank for an effective cardio session, chances are we need to rethink your definitions of max intensity and effective, um, because probably neither one of those is the case. So uh, if if you're in a phase where it's really unavoidable, like you might be able to to make it happen so that cardio doesn't happen on a leg day, but oh, this other day here, that's really busy. So, you know, like if you've got to hit five sessions a week, for example, um, then, you know, uh, You've got two opportun- two days without cardio. Can one of those be a leg day? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It kind of just depends on the uh, on the schedule and your your personal calendar and your existing commitments and and what your you know what your daily calendar looks like. So I would say if you can avoid it, great. It's not necessary to avoid it. It's probably ideal, but sometimes you know the ideal just doesn't happen. So for me right now, I'm still rocking the cardio twice a day, seven days a week protocol. So unavoidable for me. Not only am I doing cardio on leg day, I'm doing cardio twice on leg days. Um, I'm out of commission on leg days for the moment because I tweaked my back. I think sleeping. Um, by the way, hi, I'm 45 years old. So, uh, that kind of stuff happens once you're at a certain age, you wake up and you're like, I was fine when I went to bed and now I can't bend over to tie my shoes. Awesome. Cool. Uh, the only thing that happened in between those two things was I went to sleep. Sweet. That's really cool. I like that. So, um, so for me, uh, like, I mean, I did a leg day on Sunday. It was heavily modified. I didn't do any compounds or anything like that just because again, can barely tie shoes. So, um, it's really annoying. I should be on a heating pad right now. I'm going to do that as soon as I wrap this up. So, um, is it better to split? Uh, so steady state, low impact, I would say that is more of a virtue or a function of whatever your program is. So if your program has you doing uh, interval cardio um, and you're going to be doing cardio on leg day, you're going to be doing interval cardio on leg day. So I wouldn't change that up like, well, it's leg day, so I'm just going to do steady state here instead of the interval that my coach wants me to do. No, screw that. Do the intervals and suffer through them. They're going to suck and that's fine. Deal with it. Um, put on your big boy or big girl pants as appropriate. Um, low impact, I would not you know, I would not change what you're doing necessarily other than, you know, if you're, if you get a good leg workout in and you're really wobbly after that, probably running on the treadmill is a bad idea. I would probably like confine yourself to the bike. Um, something that, you know, you can kind of pedal and suffer through it, but not worrying about, you know, falling down and eating shit on a treadmill or anything like that. So, um, otherwise I wouldn't necessarily change what you're doing. Um, is it better to split cardio and weight sessions up? Always. It is always better to do that. It's not always practical to do that. And it's not essential 
but it's always better. And that, that is the crux of, of a lot of things in bodybuilding. Like it's good to know what's optimal and kind of aim for that, but not hold yourself to the expectation that that's always how you have to do it. Cause sometimes doing things in a non-optimal way is better than not doing it at all. Um, so the reason for that is, uh, this, uh, metabolic boost that you get whenever you quote unquote exercise, whatever that is. So that could be weight training. That could be cardio. That could be uh, high intensity landscaping. It could be vigorous sex, whatever, anything that gets your heart rate up and keeps it there for a bit. We're going to call that exercise. So every time you exercise and then stop exercising, your heart rate and therefore your metabolism remain elevated for some period of time after that. So if you lift and then you immediately go to heart rate, that's or immediately go to cardio, that's one exercise session, basically. It's comprised of two distinct events, but you don't really stop exercising. You go from one thing into the next. So your your metabolic excess you get once, once you're done with that. Versus if you lift, take a break, get the metabolic excess in there. Come back sometime later, do cardio, you're done, metabolic excess phase, you experience that twice, which is great because that's passive work that's being done. Those are extra calories that are being burned without you doing anything extra, and that is a bonus. So anything that you can do that focuses on how well your metabolism functions and how efficiently you can make it work for you is a huge bonus that we have to take advantage of. Um, now, again, it is not essential that you do that. I, I've known plenty of people who have done prep for a bodybuilding show and done very well um, only ever doing their cardio post-workout. Um, that being said, just because somebody can do that and do well with it um, doesn't mean that that is the standard that you look to because there could be a lot of other determining factors why that person is successful. And somebody would be like, look at me, I came in shredded and I only ever, ever, ever did cardio post-workout. Yeah, well, you could be an absolute genetic freak also and maybe you didn't need to do any cardio at all and you'd still look great. You know, you can't hold those people up and say, that's your standard. Like, you know, what's Phil Heath doing? What, what was Jay Cutler doing? What was Ronnie Coleman doing? Who cares? Like those people are not playing the same game as everybody else because yeah, they work really hard. They're very consistent. They're also like top 0.0001% of all genetic freaks on the planet. So, you know, look to them for inspiration. Don't look to them for guidance on your programming because whatever they're doing is not going to apply to you. It's just not. Um, so don't, I, I think it's always good to know what's optimal, why it's optimal and shoot for that. Understanding that if you don't do that, it's still okay. But when you can do that, make it work like that. So um, I think that's important. It's, it's good to have that perspective. It's good to have that knowledge. And I've talked about this before a lot, gray areas, you know, pe people who say that they're, they're, it's all or nothing with me. I'm either a hundred percent in, or I'm not going to do it. Like that is, uh, for me, that is the biggest red flag that I can ever hear from a client or a potential client. And that's enough to make me not want to work with somebody, to be honest with you. Or like, we need to change that mindset because if you can only ever be perfect or you're not going to do it, you're never going to get anywhere with this. You have to accept that being able to just do stuff okay sometimes is good enough. And it's not a compromise. You're not, you know, well, I mean, it is a compromise, but you're not selling yourself short. It, you know, it's the whole thing where it's like, you know, I'm hardcore and I'm going to do it the best. I can. Good Lord. That's just, there's such a small subset of people on the planet that can 
set that expectation and then meet it. And just because you can't doesn't mean that you can't still do good work. So um, if, if that is you, change your mindset. Change your mindset because you might be doing really well. It's only a matter of time before something happens that's going to knock you off that perfect, um, that, that territory of being perfect. And when that happens, you need to accept that it's okay. It's okay. So anyway, I don't know how we got from cardio to that, but um, there you go. So uh, yeah, what cardio do I suggest for leg day? That's my diatribe on cardio there. Next question, still from Grace. Thank you, Grace. What exercise do I absolutely hate? Wow. Do I have to pick one? That's the question. You know, Arnold famously said in response to what his favorite exercise was, he said, all of them, which I think is the correct answer. So if you hate an exercise, there's always a good reason for it. And that reason is usually, not always, but usually that you suck at it. And that's a skill issue. And so my take on that is always, if there's an exercise that I suck at, let's figure out why and let's fix it. Um, and oftentimes you hate an exercise because it doesn't feel effective. And that's just because you're not dialed in with it. You're not executing it well. You're trying to place the emphasis in the wrong spot. It's a mind muscle connection or a proprioception issue. So those are all things that are fixable. Um, there are some things um, where, you know, front squats I hate. That's one. Front squats I hate. Why? Because even done well, they're uncomfortable. Right. Um, I do not have the hand or wrist or elbow flexibility to be able to do a traditional conventional front squat. I just my body does not do it. It can't do it. So I have to do it with a modified grip. Um, and it's always just uncomfortable. And it's not something that I enjoy doing. Now, that being said, I do it when called for, but I don't like it. Um, but, you know, if my coach asks me to do it, I will do it and I'm not going to complain about it because the fact that I don't like it is my problem. And, uh, again, I, my front squat looks really good. I'm not very strong with it just because I'm not very strong with anything. Um, so I'm not going to be moving a ton of weight, but if you were to look at it, you'd be like, damn, that's a pretty good looking front squat. Awesome. Yeah. I still hate it. I can execute it. Well, it's just not comfortable. I don't like it. Let's talk about something that I overcame. I used to absolutely hate a three-point row, a one-arm dumbbell row, right? Because it was one of those things that just absolutely destroyed me. Like, I could be just fine, and I'd do one set of that, and then I felt like I was dying. Like, I got sweat dripping up, my heart rate's up at 150, and just like, I feel like I'm about to just fall over dead. Just for some reason, that exercise absolutely killed me. And, you know, what it came down to is I found out, you know, I was... It was effective, but I was just going heavier than I needed to on it. You know, grabbing a 120, 130-pound dumbbell, like, that's all well and good. But, man, start with a 60 or a 70. Slow it down. Really feel it. It's still hard, but at that point, it feels more productive. And the other thing is, whenever you're moving more weight, it's always probably just going to hurt more and not necessarily hurt in a productive way. And I think once you get past a certain age, pretty much every exercise falls into that category of, you know, you cross that line and suddenly this doesn't hurt in the right way anymore. This hurts in a wrong way. <laughs> so all, all y'all out there who are like 20 something, you're like, well, what's this guy talking about? Just you wait, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. Um, 
so that's one that I used to hate. I used to hate back day. Now I love it. Uh, and why did I hate it? I wasn't executing anything well. Like I could never really get a pump in the lats. You know, back day felt like my second bicep day because my biceps took over on everything. So you solve that, that fixes that issue. It was always like, why am I doing this backward? It doesn't feel like anything. Um, what else? What else? Um, standing leg curl. I hate just because every gym that I go to now, um, they have that same selectorized isolateral hammer strength leg curl machine that just sucks because unless you're five foot four, it doesn't fit you. Like that's the only height you can be. If you're shorter than that and taller or taller than that, it doesn't fit you. Um, so I hate that machine for that reason. Um, and that's the only standing leg curl machine that's available at any of the gyms that I go to and they all have it. They all have it and it's all the same one and it sucks. Um, what else? I don't generally like squats in general. Oh, deadlift. <laughs> there you go. I've always hated the deadlift. Always hated it. Why? Because I suck at it. Yeah. Um, why? Because it's hard. I hate the struggle of just trying to pick up something heavy off the ground. It reminds me of doing manual labor. You know, no. Ma- manual labor where you're trying to lift something that's too heavy to lift. Like, no, fuck that. God, no. And also, like, I have an abdominal hernia that I've been nursing now for going on, what, 13, 14 years? Um, And the deadlift is the thing that strains it more than anything else. So because of that, I don't do the deadlift anymore, which is a blessing for me because I hate it. But um, every now and then I'll kind of revisit it, and it's a reminder, like, man, I am really weak at this because I dislike it, and I never do it. There's a good reason I never do it. Um, but man, yeah, that's a struggle. That that's the one exercise I hate is a deadlift. So, um, and you can, you can generally see that in my programming, like, uh, for the workouts that I write, I am possibly subconsciously a little biased against deadlift. Also, I know that it's not essential because I've done okay without it. I mean, I certainly could be better off, but, um, I don't feel like, you know, everybody's like, you got to squat. If you want to build your legs, you got to do a deadlift. If you want to build your posterior chain, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do any one exercise. I mean, yeah, it's fine, but you can get by without it. So I do a rack deadlift and I'm okay with a rack deadlift. Um, just a deadlift from the floor, the absolute killer for me. And there's actually, nothing I hate more than that. So, um, and one more from grace here. She's, she's going for the hat trick. What is my favorite muscle group to work? Is there a workout that I've programmed that I consider to be my favorite? You know, that's a great question. Um, my favorite muscle group to work realistically. I mean, is it too cliche to just say, um, biceps? Eh. The thing though is like, I don't, I don't enjoy working biceps. Like, a barbell curl would be pretty high on the list of exercises that I hate. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like how very moderate weight on that exercise makes me feel like I'm dying inside. Um, I feel I feel weak on most exercises, realistically, relative to what I you know think I should be doing. Um, that's one where I feel especially weak compared to everything else. Um, so I, I kind of dislike it, but I like the feeling of a good bicep pump. And so it's, it's good enough where, uh, I will suffer through some exercise that I don't particularly care for, for that feeling. 
that's pretty good. And also, once you get that pump going and you're you're, you're kind of jacked and you catch yourself in the mirror, you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. All right, I can deal with that. Those are the little glimmers every now and then that you can catch in the mirror that kind of keep me going. The day-to-day, not too much, but those little glimpses here and there, like, you know, there's about, in some total, I would say about 15 seconds out of every workout where it's like, you know, two or three seconds here, two or three seconds there, where you catch things looking just right. And you're like, oh, okay. So about 15 seconds a day is what I'm what I'm looking for and that kind of keeps me coming back the next day so um so that's that's probably the favorite is is there a workout that I program that I consider to be my favorite Uh, that's a great question um I have I have one and if you go to the website um it's fivestarphysique.com and you click on workout programs up at the top they're all available there there's one of them it's it's number 11 and it's called enduring growth which I think is just wild and crazy enough that it probably fits the bill. Like it, it's kind of eccentric. It's kind of all over the place. Um, and like, it's got some crazy rep ranges in there and I just kind of like how unpredictable it is. And when I send that to somebody, I'll often say, you know, this is one, when you open it up, it's going to look like I wrote it when I was drunk and I didn't as far as you know, but it's going to look that way. So, um, like it's just wild and crazy enough to be, I, I would describe it as kind of unhinged. So yeah, I like it for that. Um, okay. Switching gears now. Thank you, Grace. Much appreciated from Ron Eddington, Ron here in my state of Tennessee, uh, avid listener. He, he mentioned actually in his email that he's listened to every episode of the podcast, many of them multiple times. So to Ron, I bow down and say, I'm not worthy. And also please stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's too much of me. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, so uh, Ron asked two things here. The first one is a rundown for senior citizens wanting to build muscle and what's safe for them to take to enhance gains. So uh, that all starts with blood work. So also senior citizens depends on who you're talking to there. You know, if I was um, the host of this podcast and 20 years old, then I might consider anyone over the age of 30 to be a senior citizen. I don't know. So um if we want to talk about like, you know, do you qualify for the discount at Denny's or what? I don't know. Or like, if are you Medicare qualified? Is that what makes a senior citizen 65 and up? I don't know. I mean, anyone who, who would say to themselves um, or to someone else, well, I'm kind of getting up there. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. That's probably our qualification here. So um, this is good advice for anybody, but especially for anybody who's getting up there in age, um, get your blood work checked. Um, you know, I, I would say it's good advice for anybody just because you always want to know what's going on in your body. In bodybuilding terms, you want a hormone panel specifically. You want to know where your testosterone is. You want to know if your estrogen is controlled. You want to know where your thyroid hormone is, your follicle stimulating hormone, your thyroid stimulating hormone, all that stuff. See if anything's out of whack. Um, that's the kind of thing that can make you feel like you're swimming upstream. Um, so like you can still make progress, but as we've talked about here many times, um, bodybuilding under ideal circumstances is all about slow progress. If you change those circumstances, so they are no longer ideal, but they're working against you, that progress will go from slow to glacial to the point where it feels negative, almost negative progress. So get your blood work checked just to make sure there isn't anything underlying. That's a problem. Um, I would say that's important for everybody. It gets more important for every year, every, every extra candle that you put on your birthday cake gets more important. So, um, 
And as far as what's safe to take, so first of all, anything anything over the counter is generally safe unless you have a specific medical reason not to do that. Um, there's another question coming up that we'll we'll talk about something else specific to that. Um, uh, as far as anything that's not over the counter, prescription or possibly black market, anything like that, um, it's best discussed with your doctor for sure. Um, because some of that stuff, if we're talking like hormone therapy, can be prescribed and used in a medically responsible way. Um, which at that point, if it's getting prescribed, it's generally going to be safe because it's going to be physician monitored. Which at a certain point in your life, I think it, it kind of has to be. Um, unless you've been doing this for some time and you have a really, really good sense of how your body responds to certain things. Um, uh, I think it's, it's probably a bad idea to do anything on your own, especially if you're, if you're starting like anything anabolic, um, at already what might be considered an advanced age. Um, you gotta, I mean, I would say the only way to really do that correctly is with, uh, with your physician's guidance. So, um, and and clearly, and th- this applies to everybody, but in that category as well, less is more. Like, don't think that adding additional compounds or going with higher doses is necessarily answer. Um, I think, if, especially if you're if you're fairly new to the whole thing, like if you haven't run anything in the past, just bringing in you know just testosterone at a very low dose that's physician monitored, going to be a big step in the right direction. I mean, it's not going to take too much more than that, and you will see and feel the effects of that. So, um, I think. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the only real correct answer there is blood work and then talk to your doctor about other options. Anything that's over the counter, typically okay. Um, again, depending on your blood work, your your doctor may say, hmm, I don't know about X. Um, like if you're, uh, I mean, certainly if you have, if you have organ um uh, markers that are out of whack, like your, your kidney levels are off or something like that. Um, he may, uh, your, your doctor, he or she may advocate for like, Hey, you know what? Maybe, you know, don't go so crazy on the high protein diet, something like that. Um, if you've got a doctor that's in the know, if I, um, generally speaking, when I work with people of a certain age, I'm thinking like 55 and older, usually, I'll tend to drop their protein intake down just because the organs tend to be a little bit more sensitive as you get older. You don't want to tax them too much. And a high protein diet does tax the kidneys. Um, It can be offset with water intake for sure. But I would say at a certain age, like your days of getting in 300 to 350 grams of protein a day are over and you can benefit from being, you know, significantly lower than that and still, still get what you need. And, um, you know, even if your system can handle it, you know, it's still a lot to ask of your kidneys in order to process all that effectively. So give them less to do, give them a little bit of a break, keep them happy. So, um, Ron also asked a detailed rundown of what I had to go through at my show in, uh, in November and what I took with me. So I'm not sure what I took with me, like, like what I packed to the show. Like I took, uh, I took my wife, our best friend and my dogs, uh, and we stayed in Airbnb down in Atlanta. Um, my experience at the show, I've had a little time to reflect on this, so it might be good to revisit it cause we haven't talked about it in a while, like since shortly after it happened. Um, so the show experience itself was okay. It was fine. Um, it, but it's no secret here that I'm not a big fan of competing like actual show day. Um, I don't like the hubbub. I don't really like the atmosphere. I don't like the crowds. Um, 
a lot of people I see online like, oh, I met so many great people at this show. I'm like, I didn't meet anybody at the last show. I met Andrew, my client Andrew, who did the same show with me. I met him, hung out with him a little bit. I wasn't go, going around talking to other people. I'm, I'm an introvert. No, I mean, that stresses me out. The idea of going and hanging backstage and talking to people and meeting new people, the thought of that alone is what will keep me from doing a show. I mean, I don't think you understand like how big of an introvert I am. That stresses me out. It really does. Um, and uh, thankfully, when you go backstage, most people are kind of in their own little bubble and they're kind of comfortable letting you stay in your bubble too. So you don't have to go and meet people if you don't want to. And I have to keep reminding myself of that when it comes time to think about doing a show again. So, um, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Uh, so the, the actual show I thought was, it was well run. God, it was slow. Oh man. So um, a couple of things that are noteworthy that have come up a couple of times in conversation with clients that I'm like, Oh yeah. So this happened, um, at my, uh, at my weigh in the night before when I went and checked in, um, they weigh you in for classic physique. Well, for all classes, they're going to take your height measurement as well to figure out what class you belong in. And then in classic physique, you have a weight cap that you need to hit. So, um, I was talking with my wife and Andrew as I was getting checked in and, you know, they kind of send you this table, that table, this table, that table, get your shirt, blah, 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 turn in your music here. Okay, cool. Blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, get weighed over here. All right. So they're talking to me. My wife's making some joke. I'm standing on the scale. I'm not paying attention at all to what's going on. I'm so distracted. And they measure me in at like five, 10 and a half. I'm like, wait, I'm six foot. You're five, 10 and a half. And I didn't even think like, well, that's going to fuck up my weight cap. Hold on. Hold on. Well, it turns out that even coming in shorter, you know, the weight cap was lower. I still made weight for it. So I didn't even bother to like have them recheck my height or whatever. It's like, let me stand up straight. Uh, I didn't do that. So pay attention to that. First of all, um, (laughs) that was was an idiot mistake right there. Um, pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, let's see when you go for a spray tan, there's no such thing as modesty, you know, Um, they give you the option, like you can keep your trunks on or you can get naked, get naked, just, you know, let it all hang out. It's fine. Nobody cares. Um, and you're going to get more consistent coverage and not have to worry about any lines that way. So, um, they, they usually, I mean, sometimes they'll put you in like a, a room somewhere. This is a big open space, but they had it behind a curtain. They had little pop-up booths that you stand in. So, um, you stand there, some dude sprays you, um, and then, uh, they put a fan on you. And so, um, this is the first show I've done where I actually paid for the spray tan at the show. I've always done it myself in the past. So, um, that was actually a new experience for me. Worth it. Worth it. Oh my God. And whatever product they use, I wish I would have asked, but, uh, it all came off in the shower the next day with no effort. You know, you hear stories about people like spending days and days and days and weeks trying to scrub their tent off. Uh, 95% of it rinsed off without soap in the shower. It was awesome. And by the time I soaped up and got myself out, it was completely gone. Like it never happened. It was brilliant. So I don't know what product they use, but it was great. Um, the show itself, um, I do like the way that they had it structured where the guys started it. I can't remember if it was nine o'clock, I think. Um, and you did prejudging and finals and then the women started at two and did prejudging and finals. So, um, the guys had to be done like completely done for the day 
completely done with the entire show before two o'clock. I think it was one o'clock and I was out of there, which was nice um, to not be stuck there all day long, which is usually the case when you have, you know, finals or prejudging that starts at nine or 10 and finals that start at five or six. It's just an unnecessarily long day. And if I have the option, like I didn't know that that was the format of the show until it was about five weeks out. Um, and so knowing that that will factor into my selection for doing a future show, like I will probably not opt to do a show that has a traditional prejudging and finals format. And even though I didn't like driving three hours to Atlanta, I will make a drive of a few hours to, to find a show that has that format. That's worth it to me. That is worth it to just not be sitting around bored off your ass, picking your nose and scratching your butt all day long. Uh, that's, uh, that's the worst part of show day in my book. So, um, the, the way it was organized was okay. I mean, they, they did a good job facilitating things. Um, there was some awkwardness backstage before finals where, you know, they make everybody line up. Okay. They put the class out and I knew that I wasn't in the first call out. So I knew I wasn't in the top five, but you, you stay there anyway, because stuff can happen. People can get disqualified. Somebody got sick and went home. Suddenly you can find yourself in the top five. So I knew I wasn't in the first call out. I didn't know where I placed or anything like that. Um, but, uh, so I'm there, you know, I'm hanging out. It's like, okay, doing my thing. And they send everybody out like, here's the lineup. Okay, cool. And then, uh, they, they call back the top five. And, uh, as they're waiting to call those people out, everybody, you know, the facilitators backstage, a couple of them are looking at me, looking at me. And then they go talk to another guy. And the other guy comes over to me and is like, you didn't make the top five. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just waiting for you to tell me that, you know, that I'm not needed. And so it's like, they're all afraid to tell me like, Oh, he doesn't know he's not in the top five. No, I fucking know. I'm just here just in case. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of what you want. Right. So learn how to tell people if they're not in the top five is not a big deal. Like I already knew. Okay. Um, so that was a little awkward and just weird. Like what's wrong with you people? (laughs) You think you'd be telling people that all day long, but also they weren't doing a good job of communicating who was needed where at that point. I think there was an assumption that, you know, Oh, well you'll know if you're in the top five. I'm like, yeah, but you also never know. Um, you know, disqualifications happen and stuff like that. So you hang around. Um, and also I find it bad sportsmanship to leave early. Um, and so I certainly wasn't going to do that. Um, so what, what I took with me big picture, and this is, this is playing into a lot of my mental struggle right now is I was going to make a post about, um, my experience, like post some show pictures and, uh, some, some comparisons with other people in my class that I thought like, eh, you know, I'm not sure if these placings are really, you know, an accurate representation of, of where I sat in the class. And it just goes to show like, don't worry about where you place that. It wasn't to whine about my placement, but just to say like, you know, don't, don't sweat your placement too much because it isn't really necessarily everything. But as I was looking through those photos, I'm like, man, these photos are fucking terrible. Like I'm embarrassed of how I looked on that on, on, on uh, show day there. Like this is bad. Ugh. And a lot of it is my face. I mean, my physique wasn't great. Like, I feel like I'm undersized. I felt like I was eight pounds too heavy still probably. And so now I'm, I'm like really getting in my head with all this stuff and just thinking big picture, like how long have I been doing this? And I'm still only here. And what about all these other people? And so you start going down that rabbit hole and that led to some like pretty significant depression going into last week. I I ain't going to lie. Like I was in a pretty dark spot and I'm still not exactly in the light, you know? So, um, it's really kind of like a big, God, what am I doing with this? 
like I, I think it's more like oh what's the best way to put it here like something that I'm doing needs to change right um, or I just accept that you know genetically like I, I feel like if I was going to assess my physique fairly I would say I have really good shape and structure overall. I think my physique has a pretty good flow to it. It's just, I can't put on the size that I need and it's really hard for me to get as lean as I need to get. Um, and those are genetics. Well, some, some of that's genetics. The can't get as lean as I would like to is, uh, as much about mental toughness as anything. Like when I went into that show in November, I was done. Like I was dead on show day. I don't think I could have given anything else, but I needed to give another eight pounds realistically. And so the question is, man, how can I do that? Part of it is, you know, don't start, don't start prep so fat. That would help. Um, cause I did drop, 45 pounds, um, going into that show. So, okay, don't get so fat. So what did I do this time around? Well, I got up to, you know, uh, eight pounds heavier than I was when I started that prep. And now in the past seven and a half weeks, I've dropped 32 pounds, uh, not in prep for a show, but kind of like realizing I can't be that fat. I can't be that fat. Uh, you know, and it's not like I looked fat or anything, but I'm just too far away from striking distance to start prep from right? Like I dropped 45 pounds through that prep and I needed to drop about 53 and I just didn't have it in me. Like the, I was, I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the mental toughness. I am 45 also. I ain't a spring chicken anymore. So I have to factor that in the equation as well. Like my, my gas tank is only so big. Um, age is not the only factor there. I think there, there's a lot of just individualism that goes into that as well, where some people just have a really big motor my motor is getting smaller noticeably as I get older. Um, like I, I can tell like my gas tank just isn't as big as it used to be. Um, and so I can't put myself in a position where I have to drop 45 pounds for a prep, but I still need to like aggressively try to put on size. So where's the right balance here? This is what I'm struggling with right now. I mean, it's, it's really, I would say I'm in kind of like an existential crisis mode when it comes to my long-term bodybuilding career right now. And so, uh, there's a lot of soul searching that has to be done and a lot of, uh, a lot of tricky answers to find, if you will. I don't feel like retiring is the right answer. Um, I will probably never retire. Now, I might not compete anymore, but I'm still doing the thing, right? Because um, I think for as long as I coach, I have to walk the walk. I don't feel like I can stop doing that. I don't feel like that's an option. Um, I don't necessarily want that to be an option. I don't want to be one of those coaches that gets lazy and fat and stops doing their thing while telling other people what to do. I feel like I need the credibility of continuing to do it myself. So Ron, I apologize. You're asking what happened with the bodybuilding show, but I did mention at the top, like, you know, I was going to get to my state of mind with some of these other questions and this is kind of what I had planned then. So, um, that's a much longer answer than, than, than you had, you had asked for, but there you go. That that's kind of like bringing it all home here. And you know, some of it's kind of, kind of ugly. Like if you get in my head right now, it's not a pretty place to be. Um, you know, I actually had this conversation with my wife the other day. I never talked to her about bodybuilding stuff cause I, I, she doesn't care. Um, and I don't need her to care necessarily. It's not her thing and she doesn't really get bodybuilding. Um, but a lot of this impacts like my just 
overall mental state and mental well-being. So I had to bring her into the loop and just say, here's what I'm thinking. There's other things that are playing around in my head here as well. It's all, you know, there, there's a lot of midlife crisis stuff going on here and bodybuilding is a big part of it, but it's not the only thing. So, um, yeah. So basically the host of this podcast is a fucking mess and, uh, I'm hoping that you all feel better about yourselves. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I can't be that guy who's like, Oh, I'm having a, every workout is great. I love this. I'm like, God, you know, I, I said, fuck it so hard on Sunday, like on the diet. I just, just like, Psh screw this crap. So I had a cheat meal on Saturday as I was supposed to, that was all well and good. Ate that. We went to a brewery afterwards. I had nothing there. I had a diet Coke uh, there. Everybody was having beers look great. They had food there. They had a food truck said no to all that. It was after the cheat meal. I was fine. I had my fill. Cool. I'm like, yeah, back on plan Sunday, start off. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Meal one shitty ass leg workout. Again, lower back tweak. Ouch pretty limited, um, have meal two. And then eventually I'm just like, fuck this. So I went out and I got some Oreos, which I ate the entire thing that day. And I got a frozen pizza cause I haven't had one in probably seven months and I really wanted one. And I had that for dinner. Um, and so, you know, between that and the cheat meal the day before I put on like seven pounds in two days, um, I'm down a little bit from there now, but yeah, it was just a complete and total fuck it day. Like I did not give a shit anymore. So I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm like always on it and blah, 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 blah. I'm usually pretty good, but I got shitty days in the gym. That's for sure. Sunday was a shitty day on the diet and I, I will not sugarcoat that. It was a mess. Um, and a lot of it's, it's your head, you know, bodybuilding's a head game more than anything else. And my head then was not in a good place at, it was in a terrible place right now. It's about 8% better. Still not in a good place. So yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a struggle, but, uh, whenever you're struggling, you just work through it because that's the only option that you have. So you got to think about it. You got to come up with a strategy. You got to talk to your support people around you and let them help as well. That could be your family, could be your coach, uh, pastor, you know, grocery store, checkout person in line, whoever, anybody. So, um, you know, whoever, whoever you consider a friend that can offer you some reasonable insight, it doesn't have to be technical bodybuilding advice, but if anybody that can help put your mind in a good place, that's who you need to seek out. So thank you, Ron, for that question, which sparked a whole lot. So two questions now from uh, my client, Andy, who had a couple of good ones here. The first one's kind of easy. Um, are testosterone boosters or over-the-counter HGH pills the biggest gimmick, or do they actually do something? They are, in fact, the biggest gimmick. They don't do crap. They do nothing. Um, now, if you're looking at peptides like IGF-1 or something like that, not a gimmick, not worthless, but you're also not going to find that like in the supplement aisle at your grocery store or anything like that. Um, so anything like, you know, test boosters, like what you'd find at Walmart or Target or anything like that, just absolute crap. They're all based on tribulus. And do they boost your testosterone? Yes. Um, typically by a few percentage points. Testosterone is one of those things where if you boost it by a few percentage points, you've done nothing. In order to get a, a tangible impact from it, you need to boost it by an order of magnitude. Like you need to add additional zeros onto it, not, you know, bumping up a few percentage points. So the only way to do that is through exogenous testosterone. You know, anybody that talks about, Oh, I'm going to change my diet to optimize my hormones. Like, sure. 
you know, it, it's basically, you know, you're giving a Wookiee a haircut at that point, you know, with, with you know, <laughs> with a, what, like a pruning shears, you know, nothing. Uh, it's like, it, it's not going to make a dent, you know. Um, it just, it, it's not not enough of a boost to, to make it worthwhile. So if you're tempted by anything like that, don't do it. Don't do it. The only thing that you'll get from it is a placebo effect, which, as we've talked about here before, ain't nothing but, you know, is 40 or 50 bucks or whatever worth a placebo effect? I don't think so, because that placebo effect is only good for a couple of days. Um, and that's just your brain getting fooled. Um, so, yeah, not, not, not a fan. Not a fan. Um, Andy also asked, um, he said, quote, you're a music guy, and I seem to instantly get sick of my playlists while working out. Okay. And then he said, what are your absolute top five for the following or any others for that matter? And he lists a few, uh, a few different genres here. And some of them, like uh, one of the things he said was 80s ladies. I'm like, nothing. I don't have a top five. I don't have a top one. That is not uh, anything that I would ever listen to. Um, unless you count like, you know, Stevie Nicks, an eighties lady, Pat Benatar. I would never, I love Pat Benatar. I would never listen. I would never seek her out and listen to her. Um, I mean, <coughs> trying to think if there's anybody else in that category. Yeah, not really. Uh, nineties pop. No, none, nothing. No nineties pop. Absolutely not. Um, hard rock. Yeah. All day all day um go to um anything grunge is going to work for me uh more modern uh shinedown alter bridge tremonti by association um what else uh if i'm feeling a little frisky mud vein maybe some uh meshuggah uh opeth what else gojira I mean, now we're not really in hard rock territory. We're in metal territory, but, you know, plenty of crossover there. Um, he said uh, Motown. No, I mean, Motown has no gym mojo for me whatsoever. No, it's great music. I would never listen to it in the gym ever. Um, country Queens. Absolutely not. No, no. Again, I mean, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know, uh, Dolly Parton is our patron saint here. I love Dolly to death. She is amazing. She's one of the best human beings on the planet. I would never listen to her music in the gym. So uh, <laughs> this is just a, a no-no. Um, and then he also threw in the category of show tunes, to which I would say absolutely not. No. Um, now, there are some great musicals out there. There are also some musicals out there where I wonder, like, why on earth would anybody ever fucking listen to this? Like, this is terrible. But for me, it's like show tunes, musicals, they need to be listened to, like, in the context of the show, or better yet, not listened to, but watched, right? I mean, that, that's how they're really meant to be. But some of the best musicals out there are ones like, you know, if it's a good musical, like, it grabs you emotionally, right? I don't need to be grabbed emotionally while I'm in the gym, I need aggression. And so like my favorite musicals last five years, you know, it's the worst thing that I could possibly imagine listening to in the gym because it's hard to listen to that and not get emotionally invested in it. It's like, I would never listen to that. No, no. So a lot of that stuff is like, you know, just picking the right genre. Now, whatever gets you going, like if that stuff gets your blood pumping, great. Doesn't for me. 
not not for me i need aggression i need distorted guitars i need loud shit i need it to be over compressed and i need it to be fairly relentless with some double bass and give me all of that um what i'm listening to lately is a little bit of a problem in that it's all my music um so i listen to it for a couple of reasons first of all i'm always listening to my own stuff for um purposes of improving it like you, you, what I've found for me, the way my process is, I can listen to a song 200 times. And on the 201st time, I realize, you know what? That first chorus needs to be half as long. Okay. And then I make that change. I'm like, boom, that fixed the whole song right there. So I have to listen to my own stuff to death while I'm in the demo building phase. So then by the time we get into the studio, any producer input is going to be pretty minimal. So I absolutely listen to my own music, which sounds very narcissistic, but I listen to it to death specifically to try and troubleshoot it. And also because I'm learning the skill of mixing. And uh, so as I'm, you know, as I'm doing cardio and pedaling away on my bike, I'm making mixed notes on my own songs as well. Like, man, this distorted guitar is way too woofy in the 500 Hertz range. I got to cut that down and boost around four and a half K. Like it's, it's just getting drowned out or the piano is way too honky. It needs to come down around one K and I need to low shelf it at like, you know, 200 Hertz or something like that. Uh, you know, drums are over compressed. I can hear the compressor hitting around the two minute and 30 mark here. When this crash comes in, I got to back off on my threshold there. So you know, I'm taking all those notes and I'm listening to that stuff. Now I can't really make those notes when I'm in the gym, but in the gym, when I'm training, it's kind of like background noise. I'm still listening to that stuff more than anything else. It's a problem because I get distracted by it. And so sometimes I get distracted to the point where I realize I've been taking a two minute rest break because I'm waiting for this next section to come up and I want to hear it. Uh, And that's a problem. That's a problem. So whatever you're listening to, it needs to invigorate you, but it also needs to be background filler noise and not the focal point of whatever you're doing. So that's, that's where I come into conflict with it sometimes. And I have to kind of pull myself back. I think if it's your focal point and you're listening to it, like actively taking notes during cardio, that's one thing during a training session. No. So as I'm talking through this, I'm, I'm kind of realizing like, yeah, Darren, you need to stop listening to that stuff when you're in the gym during cardio. Great. During your workouts. No. So, um, yeah, that's it. Oh, whew. all right. That was seven questions and we're at 53 minutes. So I feel like I've done my duty. Whew. All right. So thank you to Grace, to Ron and to Andy for those questions. I really appreciate it. So I am traveling next week, um, but we may be back, um, Tuesday or thereabouts. Um, let me check the calendar here real quick. I need to need to give you all an update on, on where I'm going with stuff. Um, Okay. So month, September. Okay. So I'm leaving on Thursday. I'm coming back on Monday. We'll probably hit a podcast on the 27th and then again on the fourth. And then the following week I'm gone. That's vacation week. So, um, so we'll have a couple more of these before I take another break. So anyway, we're good to go here. I appreciate you all listening. Thank you very much. Um, as always, uh, share these posts, go leave a review, leave a star rating wherever you can share amongst your friends. Um, get other people listening, go vote on the poll. It's still the same poll up at the dropset.com. Um, questions, you can head to the dropset.com and click on contact and reach me there. You can also hit me on social media at Darren underscore star on Instagram is the best way to go there. Um, or email me Darren at five star with two R's fitness.com. Send your questions that way and, uh, give me some more stuff to talk about here. 